0: We meet today in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 to verse 32 The church is a new man We're looking at the prohibitions of the new man Here is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 to 19 This I say therefore and testify in the Lord That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk In the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. We have seen the exhibition of the new man and the inhibitions of the new man, Now we come to the prohibitions of the new man. There is the negative side of the believer's life, which I think is important for us to see. There is not enough emphasis on it, especially these days. But I want to say that there is freedom in Christ, but it is not a license to sin. That freedom is not a license to sin. Scriptural prohibitions for the new man are, are different from some of the prohibitions that people set up. I can't find, for example, where it says that women should not wear makeup. Christians should do the best, I tell you, that they can uh, with what they have. However, some Christians insist upon a number of these many-made prohibitions do not accumulate so much goods, according to who. Some of these many-made prohibitions are not in Scripture, so care must be taken. But God's prohibitions for the new men are the negatives of His word. We have heard too much on the power of positive thinking today. We need a little of the power of negative thinking. Have you ever thought that in the Garden of Eden the primary command was a negative command? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis 2 verse 17. Then you come to the Ten Commandments. They are very negative also, but they are very good. Now, here in the book of Ephesians, we see some negative thinking, some prohibitions for the child of God. We are not to walk as other Gentiles walk. This is the negative side. Paul returns at this juncture to the practical aspect of the believer's walk. He had introduced it in verse 1 to verse 3, but he was detoured by the introduction of the subject of the unity of the church. Now he gives a picture of the lives of Gentiles and the lives of the Ephesians before their conversions. Remember in chapter 2 verses 11 to 12, he told how they had been far off strangers without hope and without God, living in sin. That was their picture. This is still a graphic picture of the lost man today. Paul gives four aspects of the walk of Gentiles, which illustrates the absolute futility and insane purpose of the life of a lost man. He says, in the futility of their mind, that means the empty illusion of the life that thinks there is satisfaction in sin. Oh, how many people walk that way today. Drinking cocktails and bars is another illusion. Alcoholism takes its toll and it's tragic. Having their understanding darkened means that the lost man has lost his perception of moral values. That is exactly what is being promoted in our day. A loss of perception of moral values. People talk of relative values. Who determines what is wrong, what is right? My friend, we have a a God in heaven. This universe is God's and he has put rules in this universe. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This is actually a picture of all mankind without Christ. It is the rebellion of Adam, which is inherited by all his children. What a picture it is of a man today. He thinks he is living. The result is a hardening of the heart. Who, being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, their continuance in this state of moral inaptitude brings them down to the level where they no longer have feelings of wrongdoing. And there are a lot of people like that today. They are apathetic. The resultant condition is to plunge further into immorality and lasciviousness. This vicious cycle leads to a desire to go even deeper into sin. The meaning here is that they covet to the very depths of immorality. Men in sin are never satisfied with sin. They become abandoned to sin. This is what it means in chapter 1 of Romans that God gave them up to all uncleanness through their own lust. You can reach the place where you are abandoned, an abandoned sinner. Be careful, my friend, that it does not happen to you. Ephesians 4 verse 20 and 21. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, As the truth is in Jesus. Now here is the contrast with the life of the Gentiles. If anyone is not listening to Jesus, then Jesus must not be his savior. The Lord Jesus is the shepherd and his sheep hear his voice. If you haven't heard his voice, then you are not one of his sheep. The truth is in Jesus. Although his life on earth cannot be imitated by anyone. The very life of Jesus is an example to the believer. Jesus is the one who has been the pioneer. He is the example of life here on earth. He is the one who also went through the doorway of death for us. There is no reason for any believer to be in the dark today, or to be ignorant, or to be blind. Here is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 to 24. That you put off, concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. That you put off, concerning the old man, and that you put on the new man, is an interesting statement here. We are to put off the old man and put on the new man in the same manner that we change our clothes. It is like putting off an old and unclean garment and then putting on a garment that is new and clean. The putting off of the old man and putting on of the new man cannot be done by self-effort now. Nor can it be done by striving to imitate Christ's conduct. No. It has been done for the believing sinner by the death of Christ. We are like babies who cannot dress themselves. As Christians, we never reach the place where we can actually dress ourselves. We don't need even to try. It already has been done for us. We are told in the epistle to the Romans that the old man has already been crucified in the death of Christ. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Romans 6, verse 6. Now, in view of the truth that the old man has already been crucified with Christ, we are to put off it in the power of the Spirit of God. This does not mean that the flesh, the old nature, is ever eliminated in this life. We do not get rid of the old nature, but we are not to live in it. That is, we are not to allow it to control our lives. On the other hand, we are to have a new nature. This is the result of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Any man in Christ is a new creation. We are to live in that new nature, that new man. This is a repetition of the great message of the book of Romans which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This statement shows that this is imputed righteousness of Christ, and that all is to be done consistent with the holy character of God. Since we have been declared righteous, and we are in Christ seated in the heavenly places, our walk down here on earth should be commensurate with our position. Here is Ephesians 4 verse 25 to 27. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. Paul returns to the prohibitions which he began in verse 17. The believer is told to walk no longer as the Gentiles. These injunctions continue through the remainder of the epistle, actually. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. This is an injunction that leads all the rest. When the old man was put off in the crucifixion of Christ, the lying tongue and the deceitful heart were put on the cross. One of the reasons Jesus had to die for us was because you and I are terrible liars. Whenever we open our mouths, we lie. We ought always to speak the truth now. David said, I said in my haste, all men are liars. Psalm 116 verse 11. Now speaking the truth would resolve most of the problems in the average church today. Since believers are members of the one body, speaking the truth is imperative, my friend. Chrysostom drew this ridiculous analogy, but it does illustrate even the truth. Listen to him. Let not the eye lie to the foot, nor the foot to the eye. If there be a deep pit, and its mouth covered with reeds, shall present to the eye the appearance of solid ground. Will not the eye use the foot to ascertain whether it's hollow underneath or whether it's firm and resist? Will the foot tell a lie and not tell the truth as it is? And what again? If the eye were to spy a serpent or a wild beast, will it lie to the foot? (laughs) That is an interesting analogy, yet it communicates the fact because even if the I would lie there. When a beast has come, it means the whole body, including that eye, will be normal. The feet wouldn't deceive the eyes because they are members of the same body. Neither would the eye deceive the feet. So in the church, there ought to be honesty and truth among the members. Be angry and do not sin. You see, the believer is commanded to be angered with certain conditions and with certain people. No believer can be neutral in the battle of truth, my friend. He should hurt the lying and the gossiping tongue, especially of another Christian. However, we should not hurt or loathe the person with an innate hatred or malice, as Peter calls it. Malice is something that should not be in the life of the believer. Therefore, laying aside all malice, First Peter 2 verse 1, Malice has been described as congealed anger. When the wrong is corrected, there should be no more animosity. Forgive and forget is the principle. Harboring hatred and sinful feelings gives the devil an advantage in our lives. Many people have certain hang-ups. They hate certain people. They can't get over it and can't forgive. My friend, we should forgive and forget if the person is willing to give up his lying. The Lord Jesus showed anger. He went into the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand. What angered him was the Pharisees who had planted that man there just to see what he would do. Mark 3 verse 5 tells us, And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, He said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. You see, our Lord was angry at the Pharisees for doing such a thing. Also, we are told that God is angry all day long with the wicked, but that the minute they give up their wickedness and turn to him, he will serve them. That should be the attitude of the believer. Ephesians 4 verse 28 and 29. Let him who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now let him who stole, steal no longer, Man by his sinful nature is a thief as well as a liar. Stealing is in our hearts. We are just naturally that way. Paul says that we are to steal no more, even when it may look as if it is all right. But rather let him labor, working with his own hands, What is good that he may have something to give him who has need? You see, the believer is not to get rich for his own selfish ends. Rather, he is to help others with whatever he has that is surplus. Now, today there are many fine Christian ministries that lag and wilt for lack of funds. Why? Because many believers are accumulating riches for themselves, and they are not giving as they should. And then let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. The corrupt word means filthy speech, that which is rotten or putrid. An uncontrolled tongue in the mouth of a believer is the index of a corrupt life. Believers who use the shoddy or questionable story reveal a heart of wickedness. What is in the well of the heart will come up through the bucket of the mouth. The speech of the believer should be on the high plane of instructing and communicating encouragement to other believers. You can have fun and enjoy life. Humor has its place, but our humor should not be dirty or filthy. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians 4 verse 30. The Holy Spirit is a person who can be grieved. What is it that grieves him? It is the offenses that have been listed. When a Christian lies, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When a Christian has dirty thoughts, it grieves the Holy Spirit. What happens when any person is grieved? Well, it breaks fellowship. The Holy Spirit cannot work in your life. When you have grieved him, when fellowship with him has been broken. By whom you were sealed. Well, this tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, but we cannot grieve him away, Because we are sealed in him. How wonderful this is. You were sealed in the Holy Spirit at the moment of regeneration. For the day of redemption. You see, he seals you until the day when he will present you to the Lord Jesus Christ. A believer cannot unseal his work, which continues to the day of redemption, but the believer may grieve him. What is the great difference between Christians today? Well, the real difference is that some Christians live with a grieved Holy Spirit, and some live with an ungrieved Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4 verse 31 to 32. These last two verses are in sharp contrast, one with the other. There is an additional listing of that which grieves the Holy Spirit in verse 31, these are the sins of the emotional nature. Instead, the emotional responses which God wants us to have are given in verse 32. Bitterness is an irritable state of mind which produces harsh and hard opinions of others. Many people are speaking out of bitterness, and when they do, it hurts, my friend. This too grieves The Holy Spirit. Wrath and anger are outbursts of passion. Wrath denotes the acute passion, and anger is the chronic one. Clamor means the bold assertion of supposed rights and grievances. It is this kind of attitude that grieves the Holy Spirit. Evil speaking is blasphemy, but it also means all kinds of slander. And malice, as well as we have noted before, it is congealed hatred there, but put away from you. Now, all these sins are to be put away or literally taken away. In the Greek, it is an iris imperative requiring a one-time decisive act. If the Holy Spirit is not to be grieved, we must make a decision to put away these sins. Now comes back a marked contrast, be or become. It denotes the radical change that should take place in the believer so that there will be no vacuum in the life. Become or be. So we now go into that section of what the believer ought to be. Be kind to one another. It means Christian courtesy, be tender-hearted, is a more Intense word than kind It means to be full of Deep and mellow affection Some believers are like that They are wonderful friends When they see you, they put their arms around you They cheer you That is wonderful Forgiving one another Is a reflexive form of phrase It is literally Forgiving one another Yourselves It means to give and take In a relation to faults Of one another we are to forgive rather than magnify the faults of other people just as God in Christ forgave you all of this is to be done on a twofold basis first this conduct will not grieve the Holy Spirit second the basis of forgiveness is not legal but gracious this is not a command under law But it is on the basis of the grace of God exhibited in our forgiveness because Christ died for us. We are to forgive because we have been forgiven. It is not that we forgive in order to get forgiven. No, not the contrast. Christ was stating the legal grounds for forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6 verse 14 and 15 Here in the book of Ephesians, we are told to forgive on the basis of the grace of God, which he has already demonstrated in forgiving us for Christ's sake, because Christ died for us. And this is a wonderful picture that is portrayed here. Just as we are already forgiven, forgive one another. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. info at twrafrica.org